Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Penn State 365 podcast. My name is Dylan Callencurl. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Anthony Azan and Marty Leap. Back at it here today to recap Penn State's big 46-10 win over Ohio on Saturday afternoon. It was a, a game of complete domination. Anthony, I know you weren't here for our preview, but Marty... Penn State did on Saturday exactly what we expected them to do and exactly what we said they needed to do coming into Saturday. They needed to dominate with the starters on the field and then get the backups some considerable playing time. They did just that. We'll get into the specifics of the game. But before we do that, gentlemen, what is just your uh, first thoughts on uh, the win here on Saturday? Yeah, good one. The the biggest thing to me is it had been so long. You know, we talked about this before we came on the air. Maybe the Idaho game all the way back week one of 2019, since we saw Penn State come out against an inferior opponent like this and just from start to finish kick their teeth in and dominate the game. And that's what we saw on Saturday. It's what you wanted to see. And, yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it, it felt good. It had been a long time since there was a game like this where it was big plays, defense wrecking havoc, the opposing offense not being able to move the ball, running the ball, just, just so many good things that we had not seen out of this team in so long that it was just it was refreshing. It was very, very refreshing. Yeah, Marty, I agree with you. That's, that's a great word to use there, refreshing. Um, we'll get into specifics of everything, specifically the run game and, and the young guys, but it, it was so nice to see personally for me that 2022 class and a bunch of those younger players get a lot of quality reps. You know, guys like Drew Aller, Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, Deny Dennis Sutton, Abdul Carter down the line. You know, the future is really bright for this team. And honestly, I think the future is now for this team. And, you know, those guys look good. And, you know, it, it just felt good to watch this game and not feel too much stress. You know, not have to worry about, are they going to mess around with an inferior opponent? Are they going to let them hang around for longer than they should? Nope. They went in. They took care of business. Everybody played well. And, yeah, they got a really quality win. And they should be ranked next week because of it. Yeah, let's I, – I guess let's go into this game and just kind of talk about the big takeaways. No reason to go drive per drive or anything. Uh, but uh, in somewhat chronological order, let's start out with um, – Penn State's defense last week obviously wasn't the best uh, against Purdue, but they had some positives. This week they came out strong, I think, from the start, uh, looked good, uh, was very aggressive from uh, the get-go. Uh, there are still some concerns with Tappan and all, but I thought what we saw out of Manny Diaz's defense on Saturday is what we probably can expect more so going forward in the future compared to what we saw against Purdue. Yes, Ohio still is able to take advantage of the middle of the field for Penn State. That's going to continue to be a big issue for the Navy Lions going forward. But I, I think after Saturday, yes, it is Ohio. Penn State fans should be much more uh, comfortable about where the defense is. There's visible improvements from last week. Uh, Marty, let's start with you, I guess, on this one. Yeah, you're 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 dead on. You see visible improvement from the defense. You know, I know the sack numbers weren't there today, but the pass rush was getting into the backfield all day long. I feel like Chop Robinson pretty much every play 
was in the backfield. P.J. Mustafer was firing off the ball. Jonathan Sutherland was being used as a weapon in the pass rush as a blitzer. I think if you if you look at Manny Diaz, since the start of the fourth quarter against Purdue, Penn State's defense really seems to be finding something. And, you know, it probably shouldn't be a, yes. shouldn't be a surprise that a new defensive coordinator needed a couple quarters to kind of figure things out with his defense, with his personnel, with what he has. Now, if I guess what we're seeing, Manny Diaz, I think this defense will be very good in the long run. Um, you know, you look at defensive end, you have Adisa Isaac, who had not played football in almost two years. By the end of the game today, I feel like you saw Isaac, you know, there was a tunnel screen in the third quarter that Isaac just completely blew up. And to me, that was kind of like his, you know, I'm knocking the rust off. I'm getting back into a play. Mustafa's missed a lot of time. Hakeem Beeman's missed a lot of time. D tackle. They both looked really good today. And Chop Robinson, man, first full season is a full-time hand of the dirt defensive end has been Penn state's best defensive end through the first two games of the week or first two games of the season. Excuse me. The secondary is really good. Linebacker play was better today than last week. I still think this defense is going to be okay. And then some, but it will be a big test next week against Auburn because I do think the rush defense could be a bit of an Achilles heel and Tank Bigsby's going to test that. But, yeah, again, today you couldn't have asked for much more from this defense. Before I let you go, I think just some key stats for Penn State's defense. Today. Just 264 yards allowed uh, compared to the offense, 572. We'll talk about the offense. Um, kept Ohio to just 3.8 yards per rush, uh, just 164 yards allowed through the air. Ohio was 17 for 40 uh, through the air as well. Um, I, I just it, it was a dominant effort. Uh, the starting defense allowed just seven points. Uh, the um, what a touchdown in the first half. There, there, and the one drive that Ohio had, it took very creative play calling, and it took some trickery for the Bobcats to get on the board. I think they had two trick plays on that one drive that they scored a touchdown on in the second quarter. Anthony, what's your thoughts on the defense on Saturday? I mean, I think no matter how you slice it, the defense really played great today. I mean, like you said, for Ohio to score, they scored 10 points. They got one touchdown because they called like three trick plays on one drive. They had to basically empty the entire playbook just to get a touchdown. And then their final field goal, which was ridiculous that they kicked the field goal here, but regardless – it was in garbage time in the fourth quarter, I believe, against like our third string defense. So all in all, I, I think the defense played fantastic. You know, they rotated in and out a lot of guys. So it's really hard to judge like the first team unit because they were doing a lot of rotations. And that makes sense because you're playing against an inferior opponent. I still think the pass rush could be better. You know, they, they're not getting home on those blitzes like like you want them to. It kind of shades of Brent Pry with that one. But yeah, you know, yeah. like like Marty said, subtle improvements every week. The defensive line looked a lot better. Chop Robinson's going to be a stud. I think guys like Isaac and Mustafer are starting to get their legs back under them. Hopefully, by next week, they can be bigger factors. Um, didn't see a lot of Joey Porter Jr. in this one, but I think that was just because we got out to the big lead and they yanked them right away to avoid injury. They did that with a bunch of guys, which I thought was great. So yeah, I think you're seeing that there's depth on this team, and that that that's and they're getting those younger sure. guys experience. And I think that's going to be so vital sure. as the season goes on. Yeah, and l let's talk about the pass rush. One, you both mentioned Chop Robinson. Chop Robinson today was just all over the field. Uh, and 
man, is he got a quick first step. He, I know he, much like everybody, he's struggling to get home on the quarterback, but uh, when he starts to be able to get home on these quarterbacks, he is going to rack up some serious sack numbers. Are you guys concerned at all, however, about Penn State's front seven not being able to uh, get home on the quarterback and rack up these sacks? They're getting their fair share of pressures, but they haven't been able to finish uh, much uh, so far through two games. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, it's obviously a slight concern. I mean, especially against a team like Ohio, you'd like them to get more sack numbers, uh, more disruptive plays in the backfield. But when you look at this defensive line in its totality, um, you can understand why it's a little slow to that process. You know, Chop Robinson, as quick as he is and as good as I think he's going to be, he was a linebacker last year for Maryland. He didn't have his hand in the dirt. So he's still learning how to be a true get-to-the-quarterback, edge-rush type of defensive end. You know, uh, McKean Beeman didn't play at all last year. P.J. Mustafer and Adiza Isaac are both coming back from season-ending injuries. Um, and a lot of the guys behind them are young and inexperienced. So it kind of makes sense. I mean, you want them to figure it out and fast, you know, especially going into Auburn next week. But it's a slight yeah, concern, absolutely. but I I'm not all the way concerned just yet. I I'd like to see improvement over the next few weeks. Sure. If it kind of stalls out, then I'll be worried. But I, I think we saw improvement. And as long as it continues to get better, I won't be concerned. Yeah, well, just to drive that a little uh, bit further, uh, Penn State had five quarterback hurries on Saturday against Ohio, but just one sack. Uh, we'll talk about the offensive line. Ohio had their own success and get it to uh, Sean Clifford, uh, Drew Allard, Christian Veyer uh, with five sacks in the game. Um, that's in our discussion, but it's definitely, I think, something Penn State's going to have to pick up. Next week, I think you can get away with not having a phenomenal pass rush. I think if I recall last year against Auburn, they may have had just one sack or, or no sacks at all. I, I think you can get away without a great pass rush against Auburn because TJ Finley is not a strong quarterback. Um I don't know what the score is now, but the last time I checked the Auburn-San Jose State game on Saturday evening, it was 10-7 San Jose State at halftime, I believe. Um, but it, it's definitely, it definitely needs to pick up your Penn State, but you also have time. I think you can get away with not having a strong pass rush until probably Michigan, which is in, uh, well, two weeks from uh, this week. Uh, sorry, a month from this week. Uh, uh, Marty, what's your thoughts on the pass rush overall? Are you concerned? Uh, and uh, what would you like to see over the next few weeks before they hit the harder schedule? But, I mean, they may not need an elite pass rush next week, but they're going to need some sort of pass rush to have success in, down there. Real quick before Marty goes, I just want to say, as a time of recording, sure, sure. it is 17-10 Auburn with three minutes left in the third quarter. 17-10 Auburn. I mean – even if Auburn wins this game, it's not exactly one that's going to uh, instill much confidence in the Tigers down there. Marty, what's your thoughts? I agree. <clears throat> I agree with what you guys said about the pass rush. You don't need a great pass rush to beat Auburn. Um, if you need a great pass rush to beat Central Michigan or Northwestern, something's gone terribly wrong. I, I think they'll be okay. They're, they're generating pressure. Against Purdue, you had what, sure. one sack or whatever it was, two sacks. Yeah. You guess someone throw that out the window because Purdue's an offense that's two-step drop and fire the ball. That's what Jeff Brom's going to do. And today, 
I mean, they didn't get the Rourke very often in terms of sacks, but they had the guy running for his life most of the day. The defensive yeah, line was blowing was... up Purdue or blowing up Ohio's offensive line. And, and you know, they, they easily could have had more sacks. I think I believe Johnny Dixon got credited with the lone sack of the game, but they could have had a lot more. They, they were in the backfield. They're blowing up uh, Ohio's offensive line. They dominated in the trenches. If that continues, they're going to be okay. And you don't need you don't need to get a ton of sacks to have a, have a successful pass rush. If you have your opposing quarterback running for his life, not able to plant his feet, not able to make good throws, that's still a good pass rush. So I think they'll be okay. Like I said, I'm not worried about the pass rush with this defense. Honestly, outside of linebacker play, which was better today than last week, I'm not worried about anything with the defense. No. I think they'll be all right there. And I mean, like I said, Auburn, Auburn's quarterback play is atrocious. If they lose to Auburn because Auburn's quarterbacks beat them, you know what, man, you, you tip your cap and there's nothing you can do about it. It would be similar to, to like JT Barrett in 2017. You know, it's just, sure. you load the box, you try and stop Bigsby. If Robbie Ashford or TJ Finley or whoever the hell it may be beats you, you, you can't prepare for that. But yeah, I'm not worried yes. about the pass rush. I think it'll be okay. It's generating a lot of pressure. And ultimately, pressures are going to lead to poor throws and lead to success for your defense. Yeah. I mean, I, I know it's just two games in, but uh, if I told you that two games in the season that Johnny Dixon was going to have two sacks for Penn State uh, in two games, uh, that would be uh, – I don't know if I would have believed myself. Um, that being said, uh, looking at individual performances here today for Penn State against Ohio – I thought Abdul Carter was phenomenal for Penn State today. Uh, yes, he's a freshman out there. He's not going to be perfect out there. But, man, does he fly around the field. He reminds me of Brandon Smith uh, during his uh, time. He, obviously not that long ago, but he reminds me of Brandon Smith as a freshman. And I think he could turn into a much better player than Brandon Smith. Uh, not that Smith wasn't a solid player. He had some of his shortcomings, of course but still was a, what, day two selection in the NFL draft. Um, Carter, though, first, I mean, he played all two snaps against Purdue before getting ejected for Target, played most of this Saturday's game against Ohio, and he, he looked very good doing so. Tyler Elsden had six tackles, and including a half tackle for a loss. Um, Jair Brown had a much better performance this week than he did a week ago. Curtis Jacobs, five tackles. Um, Marquise Wilson was solid. I mean, there's a lot of – the defense overall played very well. But, I, I mean, there, there's not many, I think, individual performances that you'll look back in the statute and be like, wow, they really dominate this game. But I think for the defense as a whole, it was a true uh, team effort. Any thoughts? Yeah, I, team effort to put it for the defense, you know. You mentioned Marquise Wilson, who I thought had a real a sneaky good game, a cornerback. Sure. Um, it was nice to see Abdul Carter out there again, running around, being physical, being, being violent. Cam Miller got a lot of run at cornerback, the true freshman. That defensive line, it didn't seem to matter who it was. Deny Dennis Sutton, Adiza Isaac, Chop, uh, you know, PJ Mustafa, Hakeem Beeman, Amin Vanover, Jordan Vandenberg, Zane Durant. They all were blowing up plays, being disruptive. It really was a group effort from this defense, and that's what you wanted to see. Again, not to keep on, I think the defense is going to be just fine in the long run. And, you know, wherever Penn State does or does not go this season, I don't think it's going to be the defense that holds them back.
Yeah, and now we're only two games into the season, um, obviously. But I think th- the one big thing about Manny Diaz's defense in the past was he's aggressive, and that aggressiveness leads to big plays. Now, again, two games. But I think Purdue, yes, there are some big plays they allowed. But I think for the most part here, Penn State, when they're playing smart football, is is showing they could be a very – very good defense this season. Uh, I mean, obviously, linebackers many question mark, but uh, Manny Diaz's defense is kind of perfect for this version of Penn State. Uh, Penn State's defense because you, you have an elite secondary. Your front seven, especially the defensive line, has potential to be elite, uh, and and they're showing the ability to get pressure on the quarterback. But once they start being able to finish off. Get these pressures hitting the quarterback, getting sacks, uh, and continue to clean up some of the missed tackling and blown assignments. This defense, like you said, Marty, I think has a chance to be a really good defense, one of the best in the country. Because uh, I, I think there's just almost simply too much talent on that side of the ball for Penn State to really. I mean, they'll have their games where they struggle, but I, I think overall this defense is. Is going to be just up to the same, uh, up to the same par that those Brent Pry defenses have been for the last uh, ten years, basically. Anthony, any thoughts on the defense? Yeah, I would. Yeah, no, I would hundred percent agree with you. I don't have too many worries about this defense overall. Uh, my biggest concern going into the year was was definitely the linebacker group, and honestly, I think they've been you know okay so far. I've been actually been very impressed with John. Sutherland I think the biggest thing he's, for him he's been better than expected 100% and you know the staff might have been right when they said that you know they think he'll be a better linebacker than he was a safety and I guess when you think about it, it it does make sense you know he's not slow he's just too slow to be a safety but he can cover those tight ends and he's done a pretty good job of playing his his role in what they've assigned for him so good for them and finding a role for him and him actually doing solid in it but um, in terms of linebackers, yeah, I, think, and, I, I think I just want to say this. I think Abdul Carter needs to be the starting linebacker yeah. alongside Curtis Jacobs. Um, no disrespect He's to Elsden. Yeah, no disrespect to, to Elsden and Kobe King. You know, I, I just think Elsden is too slow for the position. He just seems out of place a lot. Abdul Carter is fast. He flies to the football. He's always around the ball. He hits you hard. He's the type of linebacker you want out there. And I think they know that. You know, I think the reason why he got so many reps and why James Franklin in his press conferences leading up to this game brought him up a lot and was adamant that he needs to get those reps is because they know that he yeah. needs to be the guy for them going into the season. So, you know, sure. I think it's great that Carter got so many reps this week, and I, I think we're going to see a lot of him the rest of the season. But, yeah, not not overly concerned about this defense. You know, they're going to have moments where they, they have bad drives or they give up a big play, but every defense has that. Overall, I think this defense is going to be strong. You know, as the season goes on and we play tougher opponents, they're not going to be rotating guys in and out as much as they are. I think they're just trying to figure out personnel and team and, and who they like in certain situations. So they'll yeah. lock into their core guys as the season goes on. And, you know, I think this group is going to be just fine and up to the, the usual standard. Perfectly said out of you, Anthony. I think the other thing to remember uh, as we wrap this up is uh, this is this, these are these guys are learning this entire system, and you can practice as much as you want in practice, uh, and you can hold scrimmages and all that. 
but you, you don't know how you're actually going to play in the system until you get into real game situations. And, I mean, week one, it was solid. I think they did better week one against Purdue than uh, maybe the statue would uh, indicate. This week, they showed a lot of improvement. And, you know, they're going to just keep improving as they continue to get these reps. Auburn will be a considerable test for them. I, I don't think the Tigers are anything special, uh, to say the least, but it'll be a good test for them. And then they'll have Central Michigan and Northwestern uh, before they go through that uh, three-week juggernaut stretch against Michigan, Minnesota, and Ohio State. And some may laugh me saying juggernaut with Minnesota in there, but this Minnesota team this year is going to be a, a, a damn good one. And uh, th th that's going to be a physical team, a team that will attack Penn State's weaknesses, especially in the middle of the field. They could run, they could throw. And that's going to be a big test for them. But uh, the good news Penn State is the next three weeks, uh, obviously have to worry about Auburn first very much a game that they could they can go in there and win by multiple scores. I wouldn't be surprised they can go in there and lose, and I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but uh, definitely a lot of positives to draw on defense from this Ohio game. Uh, and I, I think they're in a good spot going into uh, Auburn next weekend. Um, let's move to the offensive side of the ball. That is where uh, most of the excitement happened on Saturday afternoon. Uh, though we did not mention the defensive safety, uh, which we also should mention Barney and Moore once again looked terrific as the starting punter. We'll get special teams a little bit later. Um, but the offense, guys, uh, I thought Sean Clifford today uh, had a pretty strong performance. He wasn't perfect. Uh, he still had some uh, poor throws, plays where he should have thrown the ball away instead of taking a sack. Uh, but overall, I mean, I thought Sean Cl Clifford for the second straight week looked Overall, rather solid. Uh, finished 19 um, for 27. Let me pull up the complete stats here quickly. Um, 19 for 27, 213, and one touchdown in this game. Um, he had one rushing touchdown as well. Uh, I, I overall thought it was a great performance out of Clifford. I thought his touchdown pass to Mitchell Tinsley was uh, quite impressive. There's just threading the needle perfectly through two Ohio defenders to find Tinsley. Uh, if you're Penn State, you're James Franklin. I think you look at Clifford's performance with uh, in, in a rather positive light. Some small things to clean up, but that's what you want to see out of your six-year quarterback against a uh, team that you should have been able to manhandle uh, like they did offensively today. Yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned Sean Clifford. Did he play poorly today? No. Did he play well? Yeah, but he was Penn State's second best quarterback today. Um, you know, we'll be it, sure to get to Drew in a little bit. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, you know, Cliff all in all played pretty well. That throw to Tinsley for that touchdown was very impressive. He he made that window happen. But man, I go back like the first drive of the 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 second half where. He has Nick Singleton wide open on a swing route for even if it's not a first down, enough yards to either make the field goal more manageable or get Penn State in a position where they go for it on fourth down and just a just a bad throw. Like Sean Clifford is what he is. It's 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 an experience, it's a ride, it's something, but he is what he is. And could you do worse than Sean Clifford? Absolutely. A lot of teams across college football are doing worse than Sean Clifford. But could you do better than Sean Clifford? Yeah, and Penn State seems to have that better. And that's where it gets frustrating. And 
all I will say is I just really hope next week in Auburn and beyond, it's a short leash with Clifford if we see him struggle, that we see James Franklin and Mike Yurcich not be afraid to to go to Drew Alar. Excuse me, be afraid to not not be afraid to go to Drew Alar in an effort to jumpstart the offense. So here's what I'm yeah, gonna then. here's what I'm gonna say about the upcoming quarterback debate that the entire fan base and maybe even the staff internally is going to have. Number one, I do think that Clifford should still start next week, but I do think that his lease yep. should be short, like Marty said. I do think that if he struggles at all, even if it's if it's for two drives in the first quarter, I think that they should not be hesitant to pull the plug and go to Drew. I'm trying to keep Drew's performance sure. today in perspective because, listen, he does things out there that Clifford can't do. But he also did them against yeah. a lot of – a mix of Ohio's first and second second string defense sure. when they were already up by 30. And Ohio had pretty much already thrown in the towel. So how much of that is sure. because Drew is special and how much of that is because Ohio just kind of gave up already? You know, it's kind of probably a mix of the two. Yeah. But – Yeah, don't – go ahead. But I want, want to add one more thing. I do want, you know, because obviously the whole fan base is going to be chanting, we want Aller, we want Aller. And I get it because, trust me, I want to see more of Aller too. But I really hope that we do have an appreciation for Clifford and appreciation of the fact that we are in a really enviable position of having two quarterbacks that can play at the Big Ten level. Because Notre Dame today would have killed for Sean Clifford. Iowa would have killed for Sean Clifford. Wisconsin would have killed for Sean Clifford today. Like, well, Sean well, I, Iowa did try to kill Sean Clifford last year for what it's worth, so I'm just going to throw that out there. What did you say? Penn State, Penn State has two quarter. Repeat yourself, Marty. Repeat yourself, Marty. I didn't hear you. I was just saying, Anthony said Iowa would have killed for Sean Clifford. Last year, Iowa tried to kill Sean Clifford, <laughs> so I'm just going to throw that out there. Well, listen, Iowa can't put up more <laughs> than no, seven wrong. points on the board. So, like, no, we, no, are, we are in a I, good situation. I, I agree with you, Anthony. Penn State is definitely in a great position at quarterback. Is, I mean, it, it's no secret. I mean, even even with Marty here on on the podcast, pe- pe- people, I think, do appreciate what Sean Clifford has done. But people are also ready for something new with the program and Clifford. Clifford, we, we've talked about it ad nauseum for for the last couple of months. Clifford, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get times of really high level of play and you're going to get times where you wonder how he's making those mistakes as a six-year quarterback today he didn't have any of those mistakes yes he had some bad reads but he had nothing like last week's interception against purdue um but yeah at the end of the day yeah right now penn state i think has two quarterbacks who could start for most power five teams in the country i i mean and yeah it could be early to say that about drew but i'm not sure it is i mean would Drew, if you put Drew on like a team like Alabama or Ohio State, made him starting quarterback, would he be able to, you know, lead them to a national title? I don't know. Um, as a freshman, he's still going to be bound to make mistakes. But I, I think he could start for most teams right now who are in a Penn State-like situation or um, are mid to lower tier teams in their conferences. And I uh, and I think Clifford would start at most most Power Five programs too, because uh, yeah, he's going to make his mistakes, but overall, he's usually a pretty 
darn good quarterback and can lead your team uh, to wins most weeks. Uh, he gives you a chance, and that's all you ask for. Texas um, A&M would have also liked Sean Clifford today. I'd just like to add that. Yeah, I, I mean, A&M would have liked him today. Notre Dame would have liked him today. Wisconsin would have liked Sean Clifford today. Iowa would have liked Sean Clifford today. Uh, I think Mo, I don't think it's uh, it's wrong to say that Mo, he they both could start at uh, quite a bit of schools across the country, which is weird to say that Penn State is in that position at quarterback right now when just a year ago Penn State had just one quarterback that they could trust to put out on the field and expect to move the ball down the field. Uh, now they have not just two, but their third-string quarterback could probably start at some Power 5 and a lot of G5 schools right now as well. Oh, I feel very confident that Christian Veyu would start for Iowa if he was on their team. Heck, he might be their quarterback next year. Yeah. Who knows? We'll, we'll absolutely see. Um, well, let's talk about Drew. We can move on to Nick uh, Singleton in a minute because Singleton – all you could say about his performance today was wow. Uh, but Drew, let's talk about Drew. Um, like James Franklin said in his post-game press conference, uh, the thing that stands out most most about Drew in his first two games is his poise. I mean, the moment is never too big for Drew. He looked great last week against Purdue in a big-time situation. This wasn't a big-game situation, but this was his first game at home in front of a sold out Beaver Stadium, that crowd that wanted to see him. And he delivered. I mean, it, what a phenomenal game out of him in in his, I, I think he had four or five drives, maybe six for eight, 80 yards, two touchdowns. His first touchdown pass was to fellow true freshman Amari Evans. And I'm not sure what it looked like on television, but in person, it was one of the most effortless touchdown throws I've ever seen a quarterback make. He, he he literally just lobbed that thing perfectly to Amari Evans. And when I say perfectly, that thing was perfectly placed right into Evans' bread basket in stride. Uh, it, it, it's, not, it's not a special throw, but, I mean, it, it's a throw that Penn State fans haven't seen many quarterbacks make over the last decade or so. I mean, uh, for how good Trace was, there wasn't many throws trace man like that that seemed that effortless. Yeah, I remember watching that throw and just thinking like holy crap, this is this is the guy. This is the quarterback we've been waiting on. This and again, no no knock on Trace McSorley, who I would argue was the best quarterback in program history. I mean, if he's not one, he's definitely two or three. Yeah, we haven't seen this kind of stuff since probably what yeah. Kerry Collins, like. I, man, I, yeah, I mean, Kerry Collins, or perhaps you could say Hackenberg's freshman year, maybe but freshman year Christian Hackenberg, but it, it's special. Very man. little the ball. The ball leaves his hand. It's different. He makes throws most. He he makes throws that a lot of NFL quarterbacks cannot make, and he just turned 18 a month ago. Um, yeah. The, the and, future and, of this quarterback room, because of Drew Alar, is so incredibly bright. It is the brightest I have ever seen it. Um, and I'm someone who has re religiously 
live and die by what the team has done, followed Penn State football for 20 years now. I, I it's it's just a quarterback like this can do so many different things. And you know, this is kind of the long term outlook. Sure. This isn't totally accurate to what we're talking about right now. This game is Ohio today, but yeah, go. Clemson was always Clemson until Deshaun Watson came along. And there's a lot it, it, of similarities. Penn State was always Penn State. James Franklin was always James Franklin. And, ma'am, there, there's a real scenario where Drew Alar is Penn State's Deshaun Watson. And I, I just – I don't want to put the, the horse ahead of the cart or anything, but there's – right now, every Penn State fan under the sun, enjoy it. You should have sky-high expectations. You should be thrilled as hell about Drew Alar and what he might bring to this team long-term. Because for two games, everything he's shown us, he has looked like the guy who was the number one quarterback in the country coming out of high school. Yeah, I yeah, mean, there's uh, there's also go, go ahead, Anthony. Go ahead. No, I mean, listen, yeah, the, the future is bright. I mean, I think Marty said it very, very well. Obviously, Marty is Marty's full steam ahead on the Drew Aller train. I mean, he he would start him tomorrow, and I understand that view. Trust me, I do easy to watch Drew Allard play football and just smile you know like he's he's fun to watch and, and he makes throws that as Penn State fans we haven't seen in god two decades maybe like it it's pretty it's it's a pretty brand of football and it's exciting but probably he's also, 30 I mean if it's not Hackenberg it's 30 years almost 40 at this point yeah I agree and trust me I want it, I want Drew to get as many reps as he possibly can for next year because I, I mean it, it's very clear that at this point Next year is going to be the Drew Aller show. Like, we don't have to worry about, you know, sure. we have going into the portal and finding a quarterback. Like, it's very clear that we have the guy in-house and he is going to rock and roll for this team. But he's also a true freshman. Sure. And, like, yes, he specially makes special plays, but he's going to have those true freshman moments. And as a fan base, I just hope that we are ready to accept that along with the special moments, you know. As long as you're willing to ride the, the, the freshman mistakes, with what he can do, I'm totally fine with it. Yeah, I, I think with Drew, uh, obviously quite a bit of other things to talk about here on offense, but uh, so I don't want to go too long on Drew. But I think there are two plays with Drew today, and then I'll get my over all thoughts on Drew. I think there are two plays that stand out, is uh, and not chronological here, but um, his second touchdown pass to Cliff Dinkins. Uh, we saw a similar play last week against Purdue. Uh, but when he gets – when there is pressure in the pocket, it, it does not bother him. He, he is still poised and calm and collected in that pocket. He climbs the pocket and he keeps his eyes downfield and he throws uh, darts to his open wide receivers or whoever it may be. Um, and he, he, he had – he was pressured by Ohio uh, in the third quarter. And did just that. He stepped on the pocket, kept his eyes downfield, and found Dingens for the touchdown. It's not. It's not a special play in the grand scheme of things. It's. It's a basic play. It's what your quarterback should do. But to see that out of a true freshman in his first two games uh, is something to definitely take a take away as a big positive because there's a lot of true freshmen who don't make that. There's a lot of quarterbacks who are in their second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth year who do not make that play. Now, yeah, he had. He. I mean. On Saturday, he was not perfect. He had some bad reads, 
Um, he needs to learn on how to slide and not take hits. Um, but at the same time, he also showed today with RPOs, you have to somewhat respect his game on the ground. He's not going to run for 100 yards on you, but he can pick up some valuable yardage as well. Um, overall, I think this is still Sean Clifford's starting spot to lose. He, if he loses it, it'll be because of either poor play or an injury. But until I think Clifford uh, struggles consistently, we for next week, like, yeah, if he struggles in the first quarter, first half, and they're struggling, yeah, I could see them going to Drew. But beyond that, I'm, I think it's going to take quite a bit for Franklin to pull the trigger, trigger fully to go to Drew as a starting quarterback. But it's definitely something to – to pay attention to and to watch closely because it does feel like it's something that it could happen next week and he could be the star quarterback going forward and nobody would be shocked. But I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Clifford remains a star throughout the season. Um, but I think either way, Penn state right now has two quarterbacks, even three, if you count CV three quarterbacks who they can trust to put into a game and expect their chances to either compete or win that game to stay where they are with uh, whoever is started at that time. Any other thoughts on Clifford Drew or uh, the quarterback spot overall? I think no. we've okay. covered it. Let's in, go to running back. Ball. Let's go to running back. And I'm sure we'll talk more about quarterback as the season goes on. Uh, let's go to running back. Um, the running back rotation did not. Uh, Really was not really a thing today. Uh, Nick Singleton emerged early on in the game, and it was his spot from pretty much there on out. Ten carries, 178 yards, two touchdowns. The Nick Singleton show has arrived to Happy Valley, and it was a phenomenal start, to say the least. Well, he didn't start, but for the Nick Singleton show, it was a phenomenal start. Um, that. From the first carry today, you could tell it was going to be at least a very good day for him. And then in the first quarter, when he hit the outside, found the open lane down the sideline, uh, there was no chance Ohio was stopping him. He took it 70 yards for the touchdown. And I think it's in that play that you saw just what he brings to Penn State's offense. We saw Kevon Lee on a similar carry in the first quarter. He just was not able to hit the outside with enough speed to get around the corner. Singleton, on the other hand, once he gets around a corner, good luck stop because that kid has just some. I, I I don't know if he had rockets or what on his cleats today, but that he is fast. He is fast. That's all you can really say. I'm just going to say it as it is. Nick Singleton is the missing ingredient that this offense has been lacking for over two years. He completely changes the perplexion of this or the complexion of this offense and this team. You can tell that this offense is completely different when he is on the field. You know, he adds that element of speed, breakaway, big play guy. We saw it on display at least three times today. He had carries of at least 30 yards, I think. Yeah. I mean, the kid is special. Like you you watched him play and, and you seriously think this reminds me of Saquon Barkley. Like, it, it really has that feeling to it. 
There is no reason that Kevon yeah. Lee should really see the field outside of blocking assignments and red zone situations. I'm sorry. No disrespect to him. He just doesn't have the speed to play in this offense. I think Katron Allen should be Nick Singleton's compliment. I think he does a great job when he's out there. He barrels guys over. He can make guys miss. I, I like those two together. But this is this should be Nick Singleton's running back room from here on out. He is just different. And he yeah, he's a special, special player. Yeah, and it, I mean, it, thankfully, a lot to Singleton. It was a great day for Penn State's run game in this one. I mean, when was the last time Penn State rushed for over 200 yards in a single game? Uh, they did so today with th- 234 total yards on the ground on 34 carries, an average of 6.9 yards per carry. Singleton, of course, led that with his 17.9 average. Katron Allen had six for 23. Uh, and then Kevon Lee, just one carry. Um, now, James Franklin did say coming into the week they were going to rotate running backs until somebody stood out. Uh, and he he stuck to his word. As soon as Nick Singleton showed that he was going to be the guy today, he stuck with them. I mean, only 10 carries in the game, but partially that part of that is because Penn State didn't need to run the ball with him that much, especially when you got once you got Drew into the game, you wanted to open up the offense a little bit more through the air to allow Drew – to get some more uh, reps, but uh, yeah, just I, th- there are a lot of words you can use to describe Singleton's performance today. Marty, uh, what's your thoughts on Singleton and the running back room today? <clears throat> He's got to be the guy. He's got to be the guy. He's special. He's elite. Great. Whatever you want to call it, you know, his two touchdown runs, his ability to keep his balance and stay in bounds. It's just otherworldly. Like it's there. There's few people on the planet who can keep their balance there and stay in balance the way he did. And that second touchdown, man, it looked like he was going to be dropped for a loss or two or three yards. Bounces outside and off he goes. Singleton's a special, special back. Again, you hate to say this, you know, at Penn State. I feel like there's probably three players you never want to compare guys to. It's Saquon Barkley, it's LeVar Arrington, it's Micah Parsons. But, man, Singleton's Barkley-esque. It, it reminds you so much of what you saw from Saquon. He, he may be faster than Saquon was. Yeah, and it's just it's it's insane. Like, Singleton, you know, by the end of the year, might be a top two or three running back in college football. He may already be a top two or three running back in college and, football. But, and this is he, what – and, and the ball, ball man. We, and we all said this over the offseason that don't don't be surprised if Nick Singleton has a Travion Henderson-like freshman season for Penn State. Henderson came in for Ohio State last year and immediately was one of the best running backs in the country. And Singleton, yes, we, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves in that conversation. But if he – next next week is a huge opportunity for Singleton. I mean, doing it against Ohio is one thing. If he can go down to Auburn next week and have a game just like this, I mean, we're going to be talking about Nick Singleton as a top running back in the country. Anthony, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, I hate to start the comparisons to Saquon Barkley already, but Saquon Barkley's breakout game was his second game of his college career against Buffalo. He went for, I have the stats here, he went for 12 carries, 115 yards, and a touchdown, and obviously one incredible hurdle that really started it all. Nick Singleton didn't have any hurdles yeah. in this game, but yeah. against Ohio, another MAC opponent. 
10 carries, 179 yards, and two touchdowns. So, I mean, his second career game as well. Yeah. And, so it's, and lost really it's on a plate for lost, you. Go ahead. It's on, it's on a plate. It's, it's no, right there. And, lo- and lost in his two touchdowns runs. Uh, in the third quarter, he to start their first drive of the third quarter, he had a big run that he almost took for another touchdown. It ultimately went 44 yards. Penn State's offense did sputter on that drive. Uh, but, yeah, Singleton is uh, simply the real deal for Penn State, and the future is bright for him. Um, the only bad news, really, if you're Penn State, is uh, both Drew Lar and Nick Singleton, you, you probably only have them for another 34, 30, so however many games there is if they ever do make the playoffs with them or postseason. But but you're looking at a, about 34 to maybe 40 games left in their Penn State careers, depending on how everything breaks out over the next few years, um, which seems like a lot. But, I, I mean, I remember how fast Saquon's career went at Penn State. Uh, it, these two are going to be special to watch, uh, even as unbiased reporters. These are the type of players you look forward to watching week in and week out. And Nick Singleton's going to be a special talent. Um, the offensive line talked about it. Five sacks given up in this game. But I don't think there's I, – I mean, right tackle is a major concern. Caden Wallace and Bryce Effner just – are not Big Ten caliber started tackle, right tackles. Um, it, it's going to be a spot that Penn State is going to have to find a way to get by with throughout the year. But I think beyond that, I think the offensive line, a lot of the issues you can clean up as the season goes on. Olu Fashanu on the left side is going to be a – I mean – I, I if he continues to play now just three game three starts into his career, but if he continues to develop at the rate he has been and continues to look this good, he has a chance to be Penn State's first offensive line dra- drafted since Marty. Do you remember the last first round offensive line for Penn State? It's uh, been a while. Was it Levi Brown? It may I know, have I know been. Donovan, Donovan Smith was like the first or second pick of the second round, but. I feel like the last offensive lineman Penn State taking the first round of the draft was probably Levi Brown. I don't feel like, based off what we've seen out of Fashanu in this limited time, is that crazy to say. I mean, the guy has the yeah. size. He has the physicality. He has the footwork. I mean, uh, Phil Troutwine has definitely struggled a bit in his first couple years at Penn State. But... Alu Vashano is also a great example of what Phil Troutwine can do as Penn State's offensive line coach. Yeah, and you know, you talk about the offensive line, specifically right tackle um, between Caden Wallace and Bryce Effner. And as much as I don't want to move him off the guard position, I really do believe there's a scenario where Penn State's best offensive line this year is Landon Tangwall right guard or right tackle, excuse me, and Hunter Norzad at left guard, um, just based off the way Norzad and Tangwall have played. Um, Wallace is not, Caden Wallace has no business playing right tackle on a Big Ten offensive line. Uh, Bryce Heffner has plenty of shortcomings in his ability. So, yeah, I do think 
There, there, there's a real scenario of Penn State's best offense line this year from left to right is Fashanu, Norzad, Juice Scruggs, Sal Wormley, who low-key Sal Wormley had a huge game today and played awesome. In, he, in he's been Angle, solid like through the first two weeks after missing all of last year. Yeah. Uh, to, to, see, to, see, to see Wormley bounce back the way he has has been great, you know. The 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 long touchdown run Singleton had what was a seventy yards. The the key block that sprung it was a block from Sal Warmly. Yeah, uh, and, and by the way, it was Levi Brown as the last uh, first round draft pick back in two thousand seven front off the offensive line. I mean, it's still early to say with Vishanu, but you can see the potential for that being so. Um, yeah, now notably Hunter Norzad did leave today's game with an injury, but did come back and play later in the game. Just something to watch going forward. Um, Anthony, what, what was your thoughts on the offense? Did, did you give your thoughts already? If not, no, I have uh, not yet. I them? mean, the offensive line. I think you know. I think you could see signs of improvement. You know, there there's little cues in there, yeah. like Sal Wormley, like that nice sure. block freeing up Singleton for that 70 yard touchdown run. You know, there are little moments in there where you can say, yeah, this line is definitely better than they were last year. But it's not perfect, and there's there's still some issues there. Obviously, right tackle, like you said, is by far the biggest one. Caden Wallace is not a Big Ten right tackle. I'd still like to see what, how he does a guard. I mean, he was a guard coming out of high school. He's really only playing tackle because we don't have a tackle out there. So you need to he, figure that out. Maybe he would be a better fit there. Yeah, maybe you slide Tangwall out to right tackle. I know that's not the best move for his development, but you got to do what's best for the team, too, at this point. See how he can do. Efner was hit or miss. Yeah, right tackle's probably going to be a problem for the rest of the season, and that is a slight concern. But you have a good one at, with Olu Fashanu. I think he's a good one at left tackle, and that's your blindside tackle. So if you had to pick one to have issues at, you'd yeah. prefer it to be right tackle. But and I think the guards are going to be fine as the season goes on. I saw Norzad getting some reps at center today. So they're trying to move those guys around and see where they fit best. But I think the warmly Tangwall slash Norzad Scruggs combo is, is going to be fine at guard as they go on and they get more reps. So, yeah, overall, like the offensive line just, just needs to be okay. They don't need to be great for Penn State to have success. You'd like them to be, but they don't need to be. Yep. As long as they can do their job, yeah. you know, not give up too many sacks and give the running back like Nick Singleton holes to run through. And a back like Singleton is going to make them look better by default just because he can hit those holes and find them with more regularity than the guys they've had in the past. You know, I think they'll be okay. Yeah, and two thoughts. One, having a guy like Singleton, and even to a degree, Allen, um, is going to mask a lot of the deficiencies on the run blocking. Um, but also the sacks today, I know it's five in the book, but off the top of my head, at least two of those sacks you can look to and say, the, whether it was Clifford or Drew, they should have got rid of the ball. Clifford at least had one on a fourth down, um, and Alar had one as well. And there may have been another one of them may have had another one as well uh, in there somewhere. But so, I mean, it, it's not all on the offensive line on some of these sacks. It's that the quarterbacks simply just have to get rid of the ball and not take the, the sack. That That's the smart football play. Um, but I think as the season goes on, Penn State should feel good about 
everything from left tackle to right guard, and you got to figure out right tackle, obviously. But if if Fashanu, Tankwall, Scruggs, and Warmly can solidify themselves, you should be able to get by with whatever you need at right tackle. And I feel like most of the issues that I've seen off the offensive line over these first two weeks are mostly fixable as the season progresses in terms of, you know, just working on fundamentals, continuing practice. And it should be stuff that should be able to be cleaned up just with more reps as the season goes on. Any other thoughts from any of you? Uh, any thoughts on the wide receiver? We saw a lot of wide receivers today. I think uh, 17 made catches. To, I mean, that incredible number. We got a lot of people involved, a lot of first catches today. Marty, uh, any thoughts on the wide receivers to start? One thing I would say about the wide receivers, I'm not going to necessarily say they played poorly today. Moving forward, they need to do a better job of getting separation and giving Clifford somewhere to throw the ball. Um, there, there was more than one play today where Sean Clifford used his legs to keep it alive and nobody was open. Um, the, the receivers need to do a better job of getting separation moving forward. Definitely, definitely agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it was a little um, surprising, I guess, that we had a little bit of trouble separating at times, especially in the first half. I think in the second half they got better with that. But it was also interesting that it felt like they were rotating a lot at the wide receiver position. Like, yeah, Washington and Tinsley for the most part got for the most part got their starter reps, but we saw a lot of a guy, of guys like Harrison Wallace, Jaden Dotton, Amari Evans. You know, Caden Saunders worked in there as the game went on, but you would expect that. You know, it, it was a you lot. You know of- who we also saw out of wide receiver? Who? Oh. Nick Singleton, Katron Allen both lined up at wide receiver throughout this game as well. Yeah, some creativity there. You like to see that. But, yeah, so they rotated a lot of the younger guys. And I, that was probably by design, knowing that, you know, they were playing Ohio this week. But I think they're also trying to establish depth at that position. You know, because in the past, let's be honest, Penn State's had their two or three guys at start. And then they've had really no backup guys that you can rely on. So, I'm glad that they're getting those guys for the yep. extra reps, trying to work them into the flow of the game and see what they've got with some yeah. of those backup guys. So, you know, I think obviously with, just like I said, with the defense, they were rotating a lot too. I think as the year goes on, they'll lock in on their core group and that'll be the guys they roll with for the most part. But yeah, I think it's, it's hard to judge them overall because they were rotating so much. It's probably hard for those guys to get into the flow of the game. Yeah, think about it. I'm actually not sure if Allen did line up a wide receiver, but I know Singleton did. I definitely saw him out there. Um, yeah, uh, Marty, what's uh, uh, you gave your thoughts on the receiver? Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought Trey Wallace looked solid today. Mitchell Tinsley looked good again. Parker Washington had a nice day after a slow day last week against Purdue. Um, uh, just I. If you're Penn State, just getting that many guys in and get an action for them is big. And not all of them, we may not see many of them again. But uh, the one guy I do think we're going to see quite a bit of going forward is Amari Evans. Uh, Penn State clearly loves what they see out of him early on here. I mean, this is a kid who really played little wide receiver in high school. He played mostly quarterback, uh, but he has that speed you can't teach. And 
he, he's looked pretty solid here through his first two games. And the fact that he was on the field as much as he was today, let alone on the field in the fourth quarter on their last drive against Purdue, tells you a lot about how Penn State's coaching staff feel, feels about him. And uh, while Drew, Drew Lahr gets uh, love, Nick Singleton gets love, Katron Allen gets love, and Abdul Carter, amongst others, I think Amari Evans is going to be a name that we're going to be used to seeing a lot this season. Oh, yeah. Amari Evans can yeah. fly. Hey, let me take this one first, Marty. Amari Evans can fly. He's He's got speed. That was a big reason why he's at Penn State right now, why they were recruiting him so heavy. And I think he was a little bit of an unknown, like you said, because he didn't play wide receiver much in high yeah. school. He was a quarterback for his high school team, I believe, for the most part. So he didn't really get that yeah. exposure that some of the other top receivers got, even though he was from Texas. But, you know, he's the guy that when he gets on the field, you just – you let him run down the field and you throw it deep and just let him run under it because he's got that verified four, three speed. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of player that you need if you're Penn state to keep up with the Ohio state and be able to score and hit the big home run ball. So yeah, I think he's going to be a big difference maker for this team, especially as he gets more comfortable at the wide receiver position, he gets better at running routes and that'll come with time and experience. So I'm glad that they're getting him those valuable reps. Marty, what's your thoughts? No, the only thing I, the only thing I was going to add about wide receiver is if you had money on Jaden Dotton, not just starting but catching Penn State's first pass time for the game today, good on you because you won some money there. But no, it was good to see Dotton out yes. there. You know, so I think Dotton's I think Dotton's a player who can have a can have a role in this offense moving forward. So it was nice to see him out there early and often making some catches for Penn State. And like you said, Dylan, seventeen players have made catches for Penn State today. It's good to see. The, the amount of skill player talent that is there on this offense and good to see them spread the ball around. Agreed. Um, anything else you guys really want to talk about offense or defense? Any notes you guys have? I thought overall your such called a good game. It was, uh, had some creativity and, and I think they, they did it for a rat. I, I thought the offense overall was rather, you know, a basic offense, not, not the too fancy. So I think there's still plenty in the book for uh, the game against Auburn next week. Now, we thought that last year, and it never really evolved into that. But I think so far through two games, Yurcich has definitely shown more creativity in his play calling uh, so far this season. Yeah, I'd agree. I think it's definitely been better so far. You know, I think that comes with the fact that, you know, he has a quarterback who's a little more comfortable with the offense. He has a a guy that he recruited in Drew Aller that he knows that can, yeah. can sling the ball if, if Clifford gets hurt or just doesn't have it that day. He has a home run hitter in Singleton. Yeah. It helps when you have the guys and the personnel to be able to call more creative plays. Sure. Uh, special teams quickly. Barney Moore mentioned him at the top. Fantastic. Once again today, he's the real deal at punter for Penn State, picking up right where uh, Jordan Stav left off last year. Um, Jake Pinnaker, it was probably the only non-brightside for Penn State in this game. I mean, he did make one extra point, but he uh, missed one, and he missed a 42-yard field goal. Now, James Franklin did say the guard, the right guard position, I think, on the field goal unit is an area of concern and one that they'll have to fix going forward, especially now that it's on tape. Um, but that his... Miss field goal was also a low kick. Um, 
Kicker's a spot we talked about coming into the season of an area of concern for Penn State. Uh, I'm guessing you both are still pretty concerned about that position after today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was concerned about uh, I, w- I was concerned about Jake Pendergast coming into the season. He hit all his extra points last week, which was great and needed. Um, today, he missed an extra point. He missed a field goal. I, I will say, any game Penn State gets into this season that comes down to you know Penn State getting the ball down by three or less in the final minute or two, you better go get a touchdown. You better go get a touchdown because I still have no faith whatsoever in this team's ability to hit a field goal when it's needed. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I was pretty adamant about that last time I was on with you guys talking about how I don't trust Jake yeah. Benninger. He did to inspire confidence this week. In fact, he kind of lowered the bar even further. So I hate to just rag on the guy. You sure. know, he's not completely unreliable. You know, his miss was just right. Like, it had plenty of leg. It wasn't like it was the most egregious miss in the world. We saw. I don't know if you guys saw the Wisconsin game at all today, but the, the their one uh their one field goal try that was just two, like fifty feet to the right. It was one of the worst misses I've ever seen in my life. So it wasn't like he like was completely egregious. To quote the great Bob Euchre, it was just a bit outside. It was it was just a bit outside and then some. But but yeah, I spent more time driving today than I did watching football. So no, I have not. If, if you find it on Twitter, you don't want to see it. Taylor, yeah. Trust me. Oh my God. It is so bad. Like, I don't know how you miss a field goal that bad. And it wasn't even like, it was. I don't know how, I remember how far it was, but it doesn't matter. It wasn't even close, but yeah, right. so it wasn't, it wasn't terrible, but yeah, I, I am worried and I am concerned that in a crunch time moment where we're down by two or three and we need a field goal to tie or win that, I have to trust Jake Pendergrew to get us there. That is my concern. All right. Final thoughts on today's 46-10 win for Penn State. I'll start off simply, I think I said at the start, but Penn State showed up today, did what they had to do, got business done for the starters, got plenty of reps for the backups and depth position, or sorry, depth guys. Uh, And it's exactly what you need before you go into a hostile environment against Auburn next week. the starter should be well rested. Uh, Anthony, what's your final thoughts on the win for Petsa? Can't feel anything but, you know, good about this week. You know, they, they came in. They looked good. They took care of business. They got a lot of reps for some younger players, which is exactly what you wanted. And, yeah, great win for Penn State. And, you know, they should be ranked next week, like I said earlier. So, you know, that'll be fun. All right. Marty, what's your final thoughts on the win? And then we'll quickly talk about the commitment from cornerback Zion Tracy on Saturday night. Yeah, came out, did what you wanted to see, did what they needed to do against the figure opponent, kicked their teeth in, which you had not seen in a long time. Penn State did exactly what you wanted to see, and it was great to see. All right. As I mentioned, Penn State did receive a commitment on Saturday night from cornerback Zion Tracy of the 2023 in the 2023 recruiting cycle. Tracy was on campus Friday and Saturday for an official visit to Penn State. Uh, nice pickup here for Penn State. Tracy's kind of flying under the radar uh, a bit. Had a really strong performance at the Nina Lines Elite Prospects Camp at the end of July, including posting a 4.35 40-yard dash. Uh, he also looked good against Penn State commit 
Ijiani Shakur in one-on-one drills, our own Josh Taylor was there for that. Um, I I think this is a chance to be a really sneaky pickup, Anthony. Um, I'm not sure where Marty ended up going, uh, but and and I thought this was a really nice pickup for Penn State. Uh, he he is a bit raw as a corner. He was a high wide receiver mostly in high school, so there may be some development still here. But kind of like Amari Evans, this is a kid that you get. You take him because he is such a good athlete and he shows the potential to be a very, uh, very good cornerback in the future, especially considering how he's done. He did at that camp while still being a rather raw prospect at the position. Um, and then you look at how Penn State has developed cornerbacks over James Franklin tenure at Penn State. And you have to really love the potential that Tracy has uh, in Happy Valley going forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the pickup. I, I 100% agree with you that I think it, it could be a, a sneaky pickup there. You know, Tracy, I believe he's at St. Thomas More in Connecticut right now. He's doing a kind of a fifth year prep year. I think he was committed to Temple at one point last year. But, you know, he because of a coaching change, I think he backed off of that and decided to go the prep route. You know, like you said, he had that really good camp. He's one of my recruits like him are like my favorite recruits because they earn their offers, you know, like they're not guys that everybody knows their name. They've been recruited since they were in eighth grade. He's a guy that was a relative unknown, had some, you know, smaller offers. I guess he had some power five offers like Rutgers and whatever, but you know, he came into the camp, locked up our four-star wide receiver committed Johnny Shakir for the most part and ran a four, three, five and absolutely earned that offer. And you have to respect that. He's an example of a guy that you, you don't go star chasing all the time in recruiting. You look for traits sometimes and you, and you find those players that fly under the radar and those can be huge difference makers. I think Daquan Hardy is somebody that you want to compare him to right off the bat, but I don't think it's the right comparison just because he is 5'11", almost six feet. So it's not a size concern with him. He's just a guy that hasn't gotten the attention for whatever reason, but you know, I, I think he's going to, I think he's a good player and I think he's got a chance to be a really quality pickup in a few years. And just uh, for comparison, his 4.35 40 yard dash at the lead prospects camp would have been the fourth best among cornerbacks at this past year, at this year's NFL combine. Marty, what's your thoughts on Zion Tracy committed to Penn state? I agree with everything Anthony said. I think he's a good player. Um, you know, and with Penn State, how well they've recruited secondary in recent years. Terry Smith, Anthony Poindexter, two guys who very clearly know what they're doing. Um, I'm going to, you know, always trust their evaluation. But, yeah, looks like a really good pickup. Like Anthony says, did a great job against the Johnny Shakir in the camp circuit at Penn State. So, yeah, I think they've got a good one on their hands in Tracy. And this is really shaping up to be a uh, – to be one heck of a secondary class for Penn State, you know, which is yeah. just continue to build I, upon the secondary talent they have. I, I was going to say, well, first, Mac joins, of course, Dakari Nelson, Elliot Washington, Conrad Hussey, Lamont Payne, and King Mac in this 2020 recruiting class as part of the New Line's future secondary. And I'm trying to think, but and, and now it is kind of a quantity thing at this point, but this may be the single best position group in a single class that James Franklin has recruited during his tenure at Penn state. I mean, all, 
every single one of these guys has unreal potential at the next level. Several are, are, are already four-star recruits. Um, I think Tracy probably is going to be a three-star recruit once he earns a rank, a rate in here. Uh, but I mean, they, all the other guys are all potential four-star recruits. I will say Tracy. And that, actually, and that doesn't take anything away from Tracy. I noticed today that Tracy actually did get a rating on rivals. He is a 5.6 three-star. Yep. And that that puts him probably right about where he should be. That's a that's a mid uh, tier three star recruit, um, and I think I, and obviously a lot of the upside with him is based off his pure physical abilities, uh, and uh, you just you have to trust uh, the coaching staff to develop him develop him going forward, which they have shown the ability to develop corners uh, with great physical skill sets. Uh, throughout their time here so far. Any other thoughts on Tracy or any other recruiting notes uh, or topics you guys want to quickly mention before we sign off here tonight? No, I think we're good unless there's any uh, other games this week that you guys wanted to touch on. Just a, just a crazy week in college football overall. What a, what a weekend. Yeah, it was. Uh, it sucks. Sucked for me for traveling as much as I had to, but uh, definitely a weekend that kind of shaked things up a bit. And I mean, we almost were really shooken up today. If uh, Texas could have held on to beat Alabama, that would have been quite the shocker and quite just the overall shakeup to the college football landscape. But Notre Dame loses to Marshall. Uh, Texas A&M loses to App State. When will people stop scheduling the Mountaineers? We'll see. Um, I mean, nobody in the top 10, I think, covered this week in, this, in terms of the spread. Uh, and, and that's why I I believe I also said at the top, if, if you're a Penn State fan and you look how the team has performed through the two, first two weeks and you compare it to teams around the country, you have to feel pretty good about where the Nittany Lions stand going forward. It, it, hasn't, it, it hasn't been pretty at all times. It hasn't been perfect. But they're 2-0. They got through a very tough Row season opener against Purdue, and if they get through Auburn next week and beat the Tigers down there, and, and you're three and zero heading into Central Michigan and Northwestern, I mean, next week could really begin to raise the expectations of what this team could do, whether it's fair or not, uh, based off w what we see. But I mean, it could get interesting. It could get interesting for sure. I will just say this back to your point about App State. If I am running a college football program and App State calls me to schedule a game in the near future, I am hanging up the phone immediately. There is no chance. Absolutely. I know that we beat them, but it was a nail biter and we just barely escaped with our lives at home. Like, yeah, why do people schedule them? Like they're, they, they consistently play spoiler to every team that you either barely yeah. beat them or you lose to them. There is no blowing app state as, out. I wouldn't touch them as if I, I was scheduling as I, my team. As I tweeted, if, if they don't beat you, they will give your, give all your fans heart palpitations. Exactly. I've never, uh, I was never more stressed at a Penn state game than when we played app state. Never. Even when we played like Ohio State or Michigan, was never more stressed than App State. The, the other game I'll quickly mention, it's going on right now, and then uh, I think we should probably wrap this up. And uh, Your last couple thoughts, uh, whether it's a game or whatever, um, Nebraska, Scott, Scott Frost, 
man, is that that program has made no improvements whatsoever, whether it's from offseason to now or week to week. They're struggling to beat Georgia, Georgia Southern tonight. I mean, uh, and that Georgia Southern isn't a bad program, but that's a program that Nebraska should beat. Uh, final thoughts, guys, on uh, Penn State. Uh, what has been a crazy week too. And we'll, of course, preview Auburn uh, here in a couple of days. Yeah, I think we already covered it. I would just say, Dylan, I was going to say, Dylan, just both what you said, if if Nebraska still has the same defense coordinator tomorrow morning, they're doing something wrong because this is a freaking disaster for them. All right. Well, I, I Anthony, any final thoughts? Yeah, uh, just off the Nebraska comment, final thought. I think October 1st is the big day that all Nebraska fans have circled on their calendar. That is when Scott Frost's buyout drops significantly. I think he will be canned the second midnight hits on October 1st. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I'm not, they still have, what they have Oklahoma next week. Yeah. Good luck. (laughs) That's the take. Whatever that line is, take Oklahoma and the points, whatever the line is. I don't care if it's minus 50. Take Oklahoma. I mean, there's no guarantee they go into the game of two and one. They, I know they they just took the lead, but they could still very easily lose tonight against Georgia Southern. Oh, they could, 100%. If it it wasn't for a a colossal blunder by Georgia Southern on the last play of the first half, taking that penalty to let the timer off the clock, this game's probably tied or Georgia Southern still has the lead anyway. So, yeah, they're there. Nebraska is not a good team. Scott Frost is not a good coach. I completely agree. October 1st, he's out of there. Let, let the back channeling with Matt Campbell or whoever it may be begin. I am Matt Campbell with a big win today over Iowa. So uh, that's the first time Iowa State's been the hot guys. And what was it? What, seven or nine years or something like first that? First to 10 wins, baby. Uh, I, I love it. This Iowa team is such an enigma to me. I mean, we're probably rambling way more than we should be right now. But like we, they have, they have such an incredible defense. But my goodness, is their offense so, this, so bad. This is the true final thought. So, so yeah, so I bad. was, I was, uh, Spencer Peters just, uh, Iowa needs to change it up at quarterback. I, I think Kirk Ferentz said he's not getting much help out there, but, uh, I mean, he, Spencer Peters is just not, now it, this was a tough game because there's raining all day, but this Iowa offense, uh, this is, um, uh, the dangers of hiring your son. Uh, we're not going to get, <laughs> we can go on about, uh, Marty could go on about sons being on coach. We got to wrap this up. No, we got to wrap this up, but, but we're going to end that here. We're going to end that here. Uh, so everybody, thank you for listening to another episode of the Penn state 365 podcast. Sorry for a little bit of the rambling here at the end, but we hope you enjoyed the podcast talking about the Penn state quite a bit. Again, the Ninny lines coming out on top on Saturday Afternoon, 46-10 to 10 over the Hop Bobcats, moving to 2-0 on the season. They take on the Auburn Tigers next weekend in Auburn, 3.30 p.m. on CBS. Uh, it should be a good one. Um, and until next time, thank you again. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at PSUFB365. Uh, and be sure to check out Nitty Nation at uh, – sorry. Be sure to go check us out at Nitty Nation as well. Uh, Until next time, have a good one. Enjoy your weekend and enjoy your NFL football on Sunday.